If you have a Bible here this evening, turn with me uh, to 1 Samuel chapter 24 and chapter 25. Uh, we're going to come to this area. David spares Saul's life, and then David and Nabal have to deal with each other. And it's interesting because Nabal's wife is the one that intercedes. And so, uh, interesting message. And I want you to pick up that David's going to have mercy on Saul. He has the opportunity to kill him, but he doesn't. But when it comes to Nabal, he's ready to wipe him out. And that's almost the way we react sometimes. We flip-flop. We want to do the Christian thing. We want to do the forgiveness thing. And then the next one that gets in my way, I want to take him out. I want to take her out. And that's exactly what uh, David did. Now we know that Jonathan, King Saul's son, has warned David. And uh, David uh, has to flee because he knows that King Saul wants to kill him. Saul at this time is having rages. You just never know uh, what the man is going to do. And so David flees. And we shared last week, he went to various cities. He was still in the vicinity, but then eventually he he went to the city of Gath. Interesting, the city of Gath is one of the chief Philistine cities. David meets up with, uh, or, or yes, David meets up with King Achish, who knows of David, has most likely heard of David's uh, antics and warriors, warriorship, that is. Uh, remember they used to sing a song, uh, David has killed, uh, or Saul has killed his thousands, David has killed his ten thousands. And so this king knows about David. But David acts the lunatic. Remember we read that he let the spittle come out of his mouth, ran down his beard, And I was reading some of the commentaries and they said, you know, David could have done all kinds of different things. Uh, Try to climb a wall or whatever it might be. Acting the crazy guy. Now, you have to understand the superstitions and the cultures at this time. Even though David had killed their Goliath, and it would have been perfect to take David out, they feared David. They didn't want to deal with a madman. And in fact, King Achish says, why is he here? You should get rid of him because they feared. And again, they called them lunatics and they assumed David was born under the, a full moon or something of that nature. And so last week, as he's fleeing, I want to read real quick verses 29 through 20, uh, 24 through 29. And David is in this area of Ziph. And so verse 24, so they arose and they went to Ziph before Saul, but David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, and in the plains of the south of Jezmon. And when Saul and his men went to seek him, they told David, therefore he went down to the rock, and he stayed in the wilderness of Moan. And when Saul heard that he pursued David in the wilderness of Maon, then Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. So David made haste to get away from Saul. For Saul and his men had encircled David at this particular time. And his men are ready to take him out. But watch how God intervened. In verse 27, But a messenger came to Saul, saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Saul had no choice, even though he has David trapped. He has to protect Israel. 
Therefore Saul returned from pursuing David, and he went against the Philistine, and so they called that place the Rock of Escape. David escaped so beautifully. God had protected him there. In verse 29 of last week, then David went up from there, and he dwelt in the strongholds of En Gedi. And we left off last week, En Gedi is a beautiful area. It's in the Negev, it is in the desert, and basically the Dead Sea's there. Uh, Masada's up on the top. But when you go to En Gedi, uh, we take this little hike, and, and we go up to the top, and these beautiful waterfalls. There's tremendous foliage, and there's plenty of animals to eat. But here's the key. There was a, a bunch of caves. Now, these caves are not just ordinary caves, because David's 600 men are going to be hiding in these caves. And, and Saul comes to one of the caves, which they're at. And Saul is going to take care of business, it says. Uh, most likely, he was finding some time to rest, some time to sleep. But Saul only has three guys. And David has 600. What an opportunity. But David holds back. And I think that's important. But yet when we're going to see Nabal, he wants to kill him. And I think we need to understand. God would not allow David to touch his anointed. Listen to me. Saul was still God's anointed. Saul was still God's king. David is ordained, but David's not taking over the reign until God removes Saul. And I think sometimes we want to remove people in our own lives. I know I've had them in my camp, and I know you've had them in your camp. And God says, leave them alone. And we see sometimes in ministry, Lord, how come they're getting away with it? And yet, let God do in His time. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And so David has to retract. Watch this now. And so we get into 1 Samuel chapter 24. David, I like this, he spares Saul's life. And again, I want you to remember this. Who's with David? Who is with David? He has 600 men. He started with 400. 200 more have, have joined him. But I want to give the description of the men because that speaks of us. God doesn't use, you know, PhDs, and yet he could. God doesn't use lawyers, and yet he could. But many times God uses very simple people. And so we studied last week, listen to the description of David's men. They were men of distress. They were men of debt. They owed money. Maybe that's why they went to follow David. They were men of discontentment. These were David's army. But these were men that trusted the Lord. These were men that trusted David. And so we begin here. And we pick up the area. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines. The battle's over. So he comes back. That it was told him saying, take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. And again, I want you to think of this. There are many deep, deep caverns or caves in this area. Now, if you've ever been in a cave, it's pitch black. And if you don't have no lighting, you have to adjust if you get to see anything. And so these men have been in there. And they are adjusted to the light. When Saul comes in, they're not adjusted. 
And little did they know that David's men were there. Notice now in verse 2, Then Saul took three, 3,000 chosen men from all Israel, and he went to seek David. 3,000 men. 3,000. And David only has 600. Notice, men of the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfold by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recess of the cave, or in the back of the cave. The commentaries all agree that Saul probably went in there to rest. He probably went in there to sleep. But he didn't take all 3,000 men. He would have gone in there with a handful, maybe just a couple of guards. But imagine 600 eyes or pairs of eyes looking at you. And so he came to the sheepfold there. Notice then, the men of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. I like this. Did God place him there to test David? And sometimes God puts us to the test. What are you going to do, Bob? Sometimes God will test us with a, a, a homeless person, a transient, uh, somebody that, you know, I really don't want to have nothing to deal with this guy, Lord. And yet God puts him in there. Uh, does he want to see what we're going to do? We're supposed to take care of them. We're supposed to feed them. I know there's a lot of charlatans out there. Now, I don't give them money. I said, come on, get in the vehicle. Let's go to McDonald's. Nine out of ten times, I'd rather have the money. No, I'd rather feed you. Because I know what you're going to do. But sometimes God tests us. And I like when somebody leaves my vehicle and I look for feathers. Was it an angel? Did I entertain a stranger? You never know. But David has Saul where he wants him. The men are, are geared up. Take him out, David. And, and you have to be careful to listen to other people. But listen to what David does now. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. A conviction. Listen to me. This is the Old Testament. And the Holy Spirit was selective in the, whole, in the Old Testament. Not like he is now poured out since the book of Acts in chapter 2. But a conviction came on David. This is your king. This is your king. Respect him. And yet, how many times has Saul uh, tried to wipe David out? You can see David's heart here, and it's good. But then when he gets to Nabal, his heart changes again. And so that's just like us. Now it happened afterward, in verse 6, and he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this a thing to my master. Notice the respect towards Saul. And then he calls him, the Lord's anointed, uh, to stretch out my hand against him, uh, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. In other words, David is saying, Saul is not my problem. Uh, Saul is God's problem. And I think sometimes we forget that. Those people that come against you, those people that, you know, persecute you, they're not your problem. Now, I'm not saying not to defend yourself if they attack you, but 
Let God take care of them. And honestly, in 36 years of ministry, I can honestly tell you how many times God has gone before me. And so David, in verse 7, restrained his servants. He had to hold them back with these words. And he did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and he went on his way. David had to hold them back because the men wanted to kill Saul. And David had the opportunity. But I believe that the Lord has spoken to David. Do not touch my anointed. Yeah, but Lord, look what Saul is doing. How many times David was playing the lyre before him and worshiping the Lord and then uh, Saul would be soothed. And then all of a sudden, here comes the javelin. I mean, how do you trust a guy like that? And so David never knew the mood that Saul would be in. But he's not going to touch God's anointed. Look at verse 8. David also arose, arose afterward and went out of the cave and he called out to Saul saying, My Lord, the king. Notice the respect. My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and he bowed down to him. He paid obeisance to him. Because Saul is king. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, indeed, David seeks you harm? Be careful with the gossip. Be careful with the rumor mill. Go to the Lord. Go to the Lord. And this is what David is trying to do. And again, when he gets to Nabal, it changes. Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave. And someone urged me to kill you. But my eye spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord. For he is the Lord's anointed. I know some of you, including myself, uh, we see radio preachers or we hear the radio preacher. And then we see the, the radio televangelist. And then we cringe at some of their doctrines. And then you might even sit there and you say, Lord, take these guys out. That's God's domain. God put them in that ministry somehow, some way. And they escalated. And before you know it, they're, they're holding these huge crusades. And they forgot. They forgot where they started. Somebody asked Jimmy Swagger, when he was in his heyday and he had ministry going and we know that he fell and we know that God reinstated him. But they asked him, if God ever took you down and then you started up again, would you go back to your trunk days? Now, if you know anything about uh, Jimmy Swaggart, he used to open the back end of the trunk of his car and he would go in the street corner and he would preach. He would preach. And I have to ask myself that question, too. Bob, would you go back to the jails and the prisons where you started? Bob, would you go back into the parks and proclaim the gospel, uh, you know, to, to the gang members where you started? And you, you have to ask yourself the question. Uh, the music team, they're up here so beautifully. But are they willing uh, to go play worship somewhere else? Maybe out in the streets. You have to think of these things. We become very comfortable. And so David says, look at the bottom of verse 10, for he is the Lord's anointed. Let God take 
uh, Saul down. Moreover, my father, see, and this is the respect David pays back. My father, see, yes, the corner of your robe is in my hand. For in that, I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. Now, he says, know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand. And I have not sinned against you. And you have hunt my life uh, to take it. Uh, and that had to hurt David. That had to hurt David. I've had ministry people, assistant pastors that have hurt me, assistant pastors that have come against me. And Jay's the only one that has stayed with me all these years. But there's been those that have hurt me. And I, and, and I know what that feels like. And, and you have to let it go. Let God do it. Let God take care of them. And God does. God has a way of removing people. And we have to understand and we have to let go. And sometimes we want to, uh, we want to do it. I know that's the way I want. I want to do it. Lord, let me help you. And sometimes we do the same thing. Notice verse 12 now. Uh, let the Lord judge between you and me. And let the Lord avenge me on you. Uh, but my hand shall not be against you. My hand shall not be against you. I, I take David here as very patient. And guys, I know, I'm one of you. Men just don't have patience. We want it now. We want it now. Lord, how long is this going to take? If we don't wait in the Lord... We could cause troubles. I want you to think of these stories here. Sarah and Abraham. Let's help God, remember? They couldn't wait for Isaac. And what did they drum up? It's Hagar. Go into Hagar. And that's the child. Ishmael is born. Ishmael becomes a thorn in the flesh. To this day. To this day. Rebecca uh, stole the birthright from her son uh, Esau. She tricked Isaac and the blessing uh, to the other son, Jacob. Now, God honors those things. But does God need my help? Does God need your help? Does God need David's help? And I think we need to understand that. Now, God puts us to work. God puts us to serve. God puts us in the pathway. But what I'm saying is, don't go ahead of God. And don't take it on your own. I'm sure God wants Saul out. That's why he's here. And David could have easily, easily done that. Notice the proverb that he used it in verse 13. As the proverb of the ancients say, wickedness proceeds from the wicked. But my hand shall not be against you. David is saying, I am not a wicked person. But Saul is. David loves Saul, who is evil. We can look at Saul and say, man, this guy's evil. But you better look at yourself. I better look at myself. I tell you, I can be the best person in the world, and yet I'm born again of the Holy Spirit, and I can be evil. And if you are truthful, you do likewise. Oh, there's days, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And the next day, I'm looking for prey, you know. Be careful. And so this, is, this proverb is, is excellent here. Wickedness, wickedness proceeds from the wicked. Notice verse 14. 
After whom uh, has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? Listen to David's logic here. You're pursuing me. I'm nothing but a simpleton. You're going after a dead dog, Saul. You're going after a flea. David is saying, I am. I am nothing. You're the king of Israel. I am but a dead dog. I am but a flea on that dead dog. I like David. And yet, does David get into trouble? Oh, yeah. Many times. But don't forget, God said of David, a man after my own heart. Look at verse 15. Therefore, let the Lord be judge and judge between you and me and see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. I think we would sure, we would all be better off if we let God be the judge. We let God be the judge. Now, David, you know, he took a side when the javelin would come. Uh, I mean, Saul's after him, so he, David runs. But he's not going to touch God's anointed. That's what I'm trying to say here. And I think it's important that we see this because it's so easy uh, to take matters uh, into my own hand, take matters into your own hand. Notice verse 16. But it was when David had finished speaking these words uh, to Saul that Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? Is this your voice, my son David? Notice the change now. The intimacy. My son. And Saul lifted up his voice and then he weeps. Listen to this. And, and maybe you're a crier, I'm not. Unless you give me a good movie. But some people can turn it on. And some of those televangelists, uh, they start taking up the offering. Oh, we don't have enough money. And I'm going, oh, Lord, how can you let them do it? And yet, let God be the judge, right? Is that your voice, my son, David? And Saul lifted up his voice and he wept. Saul finally sees his own heart? Or is this another ploy? Because I see it seasonal. We're going to see it again later. Then he said, uh, uh, verse 17 to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, where I have rewarded you with evil. These are good words. But do they come from the heart? And you have shown this day how you dwelt, have dwelt well with me, for when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. David knows that much, or Saul knows that much. But yet, I believe these are just words, because we're not through with Saul. For if a man finds his enemy, verse 19, will he let him get away safely? Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good and from, for what uh, you have done to me this day. And now I know indeed, uh, that you shall surely be king. Listen to Saul's words. You shall surely be king. And that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Saul knows this. But is he really, truly willing to let it go? Is he ready to let it go? We're going to continue. We're going to see. 
Notice verse 21. Therefore, uh, swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me. This is Saul. And that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. That is Saul broken for now. But later he goes back to what he understands normality. Notice verse 22. So David swore. I like this. David swore to Saul and Saul went home. But David and his men went up through the stronghold. Saul's emotions are flowing. Saul's emotions are emptying out. I mean, he's crying. My son, my son. I just wonder, how is David looking at it? You see, we can all turn on the charm. We can all act the good Christian. This is exactly what I see that Saul is doing. I want you to mark the verse down because you say, Pastor Bob, I would never do that. And I would tell you, no, I would never do that. But we have done it, haven't we? Uh, look at uh, the scripture in Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all the hearts and examine the secret motives of the hearts. I give all people their due reward according to what their actions deserve. Is there true repentance? Did Saul, was he busted because David caught him in the cave? David cuts off a piece of his garment. David shows him the garment. David says, I had an opportunity to kill you. There were some here with me. He said, take him out. Look what God's done. And so Saul can't go anywhere. But is there true repentance? The Bible says that Judas repented. The Bible says he took 30 pieces of silver. The Bible says that he took the 30 pieces and he threw them. Because he was busted. Then he went out and he hung himself. You see, true repentance. So, guys, listen to me. When you tell your wife, I'm sorry, and I've been there, let it come from the heart. Don't just let her hear it. Let it come from the heart. All the issues of man come from the heart. And we can call ourselves Christians, born again of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we can say, I'm in ministry. But the heart is deceitful and is desperately wicked. An old friend of mine years ago, that was, I was in prison ministry with him. And he was kind of down and out one day. And, and I says, what's going on, Don? And he says, oh, man. He says, I, I said a prayer I probably shouldn't have said. I said, what do you mean? I asked God to show me my heart. I says, yeah. He says, I didn't like what I saw. I didn't like. He says, I said, Lord, close it up. You see, the heart is deceitful and it's desperately wicked. Who knows my heart? Who knows your heart? God knows my heart. God knows your heart. Uh, wife, you can know the husband. Husband, you can know the wife. But our hearts are evil. Now, we're born again to the Holy Spirit. We're going to heaven. I'm being completed. I'm not complete. I'm not done. Far from it. How many times I've shared somebody comes up to me, Pastor Bob, I just read through the Bible. What do I do now? What do you do now? Go back and read it again. Wait a minute. Well, what do you think? It is a novel? 
It's a book of life, man. Go ahead and study it over and over. And so David dealt good in this chapter against Saul. But David's not finished yet. Or Saul's not finished yet. And David's not finished yet either. David will be, he is anointed the king of Israel. He hasn't taken the reins yet. And David's going to do some evil. We know that. And so we come into chapter 25. And just a real quick portion here. Uh, Samuel dies. Samuel's the last judge. Samuel's the first prophet of God. And then Hannah, his mom, prayed, remember, uh, for a son. When she went to pray, I love Hannah. I love her prayer. And, and we know that Eli the priest thought she was drunk. And then we know that in order for Hannah to have the son that she wants, she has to give him back. And he is there in the temple being taken care of. And yet, at this time, Eli is not a good priest. His sons, Hopni and Phinehas, they're not good priests. And then Israel, and in fact, one of the commentaries I was reading, uh, the high priest is an apostate. And the nation of Israel at this time is an apostate. And yet, this man, Samuel, was a great man of God. He was a prayer warrior. Remember that Samuel said, it would be a sin, he's talking to the nation of Israel, it would be a sin if I do not pray for you. He was a man of God. He was a man of God. And so, in verse 1, just a little portion of Samuel, then Samuel died, and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him, and they buried him at the home of uh, Ramah. And David, listen to David now, arose and he went down to the wilderness of Paran. He's in the area of Elot, the area of the Sinai Peninsula. David has gone further now. He's in this area that Moses had sent out the 12 spies uh, in the Canaan land. And so David is fleeing uh, from Saul. He's fearful. And is David trusting? Well, I think David's using wisdom also. But Saul is not finished, like I said earlier. Uh, look at verse 2 now. We come to this section of the story of David and Nabal and then Abigail. And ladies, I know some of you, uh, you come to the Bible studies uh, for the women and you've studied the life of Abigail. Abigail is a godly woman. Abigail is a woman of wisdom. Abigail intercedes for her husband even though Nabal was corrupt. And God takes out Nabal. Watch this now. Before I read it, David is going to show his weaknesses and his failures. And I have to bring those out because I love the Old Testament and we glean from it and we learn from it. I have weaknesses and I have failures. So do you. That's why we need God. And that's why we need the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so David now returns after going to the wilderness. In verse 2, now there uh, was a man in Moan whose business was in Carmel. This is not the Carmel of Elijah. 
but it was a smaller village. And this man uh, called Nabal, we're going to see him. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. This Carmel village is by Hebron and Ardon. And, and so I want you to see Nabal. Many times in the Old Testament, I love the Hebrew name. And, and sometimes they fit exactly who they are. Nabal in the Hebrew means foolish. It means folly. And that's exactly who this man is. The time of shearing sheep was very precious in Israel. It would be, for our understanding, Thanksgiving. And so we celebrate Thanksgiving every November, and we, we go all out. We give out the Thanksgiving baskets here at the chapel, and you gather with family, friends, and loved ones. But it's also a time you want to invite people. And sometimes there's a down and out, and that's why they always do something at the mission house. And then they do things in L.A. especially. They go down to the mission, downtown L.A., and you put the TV on, you see the celebrities. Celebrities come out for an hour, come out for two hours. And I always love that. They, they come out to serve the poor, but they're taking pictures, you know. Here I, here I am with a ladle, you know. And as soon as the pictures are over, they're gone. And so it was customary during sheep shearing time to take care of the poor, do good deeds, give to somebody. And the people in Israel knew this. Nabal knew this. But watch what's going to happen here now. Uh, the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail. I love Abigail. In the Hebrew, her name is, my, father's, my father rejoices. And she was a woman of good understanding. And a beautiful in appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doings. And he was of the house of Caleb. Now the house of Caleb, uh, they were of the tribe of Judah. And they would have been in the area of Hebron. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. And so shearing of the sheep was a festive time. Shearing of the sheep was a celebration time. It's, it's time for the wealthy now. Uh, to give to the poor. And so David's got his men. He's got to feed them. And that's the whole concept here. In verse 5, David sent ten young men. And David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, to the village there. Go to Nabal and greet him in my name. David has a plan. My men need to eat. He's got 600. Nabal has to have plenty. In verse 6, And thus you shall say to him, who lives in prosperity, peace be to you, peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. Is he buttering him up? In a sense, yes. But he knows it's the festivity time, and he knows that this is the time to give. And so David was a shepherd boy. He understands this concept. Look at verse 7. Now I have heard that you have uh, shears, your shepherds were with us, and we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from all of the wild that they were in Carmel. David and his men behaved. It would have been very customary uh, to take uh, some of the animals as you're guarding and helping uh, to keep predators away. 
to keep vagabonds that would have been coming through. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity to steal. David's men were there. So now it's payback time, but it doesn't happen. In verse 8, ask your young men that they will tell you, we took care of your needs. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes. Talking to Nabal, for we come on a feast day, goes back to the giving during the time of the shearing season. Please give whatever comes to your hand, uh, to your servants, and to your son David. David's looking for a gift. David's looking for a handout. It's perfectly, all, it's perfectly okay. He's got 600 men. Nabal has to have plenty or else David wouldn't be asking. And again, David's an ex-shepherd boy. He knows. So when David's young men came and they spoke to Nabal according to all the words of the name of David, and he waited. Now, I want you to pick up on Nabal. This guy's a, a Hebrew. He's of the tribe of Judah. He's got wealth. He's supposed to share. But greed sets in. Greed sets in. Verse 10, then Nabal answered David's servants, and he said, who is David? Listen to uh, the sarcasm. And who is, his, who is this son of Jesse? He knows stories would have traveled. There are many servants nowadays who break away uh, each one from his master. And so Nabal knew. Did he know that uh, he was running from Saul? Did he know the stories of David the warrior? Saul has killed his thousands, David his tens of thousands. Everybody, I believe, in this area, especially in Israel, they knew of David. They knew the story of Goliath. Come on. And so, listen to Nabal. Who is David? And who, who is this son of Jesse? Verse 11, Shall I then take my bread, my water, my meat, and have killed for my shears, and give uh, it to men who I do not know where they are from. He knew, but he's just being sarcastic and, and, and prideful, I believe. So David's young men turned uh, on their heels, and they went back. And they came and they told all these words. Not good, because David is going to get hot. Then David said to his men, every man gird his sword. And so every man girded his, his, on his sword, and David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed uh, with the supplies. And so I like that. David says, we just need 400. You, you guys, you're the worst ones. Uh, you're the worst ones. You're the worst of the motley crew. You guys stay. David means business here. Now watch this in verse 14. Now, one of the young men told Abigail... Here's the key. Abigail finds out she's a good woman. She's a godly woman. Her husband, I'm sorry. He needs to be taken out. But watch this. They told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet your master or our master, and he reviled them. The word to revile here, he, he rejected them. Uh, he swooped down on them. Listen to that. He railed on them. That's the Hebrew even more. And so what he is doing is not good. And it's going to come back to him. Verse 15, but the men were very good to us and were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we uh, 
accompanied them and when they were in the field. David's men took care of Nabal's men, Nabal's herds. He didn't take from them. He said, I'll take it or I'll receive it from Nabal. David expected that. And that was the culture at the time. But nothing of that sort is going to happen. Notice, this is what we were doing. Verse 16, they were a wall to us both by night and day. And all the time we were with them keeping the sheep. They guarded them from the predators. Now therefore, know and consider what you will do. For harm is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is is such a scoundrel. This is one of the servants. Speaking of his own master, Nabal, he's such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. I love that the servant knows I need to go to Abigail. Abigail has a sense. Abigail knows. Abigail knows her husband. Men, those of you that are not married, make sure this is the type of wife you want to marry. Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble. This woman is outstanding. She's a Proverbs 31 woman. Notice in verse 18, Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves of bread. She is not holding back. She's going for it. Nabal's not going to do it. i got to protect him or he's going to die. That's her thinking. But she has a good heart. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five sias of roasted grain, and 100 clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on the donkeys. It's enough provisions for 600 men. In verse 19, and she said to her servants, go on before me. See, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. Now, in Jewish culture, you're supposed to tell your husband. And the culture in the Middle East, period, the woman would have to tell her husband. But she knows Nabal. She knows Nabal's heart. And if she doesn't intervene, Nabal is a dead man. And she knows that. Notice now, in verse 20, And so it was, as she rode in the donkeys, that she went down under cover of the hill, and there were David and his men coming down toward her, and she met them. And David had said, Surely in vain I have protected all that is this fellow, speaking of Nabal, that he has in the wilderness, and so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him. And he has repaid me, Evil for good. Now David has 600 men. In my opinion, Nabal has good herds. Sizable herds. And David took care of them. His men took care of them. And so now he expects to be repaid. Notice, he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so, and more also, to the enemies of David, if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. David had one plan, wipe them out. Abigail knew this. She knew about David. She heard the stories. David was a warrior. David was a fighter. 
He wasn't allowed to build a temple, remember? He was a man of bloodied hands. It was given over to Solomon. Now, when Ab Abigail, verse 23, uh, saw David, she dismounted quickly uh, from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. She pleaded for her husband, the scoundrel. That's a good wife. She knows what David's going to do. Please, let my Lord regard uh, this scoundrel Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name. He's foolish, she's telling him. And he is folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Or else Abigail would have taken care of it. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming uh, to bloodshed and from avenging yourself uh, with your own hand. Now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm uh, for my Lord be as Nabal. She's, she's praying a blessing for David. This was the kind of woman she was. In verse 27, and now this present, uh, now this present which uh, your maidservant has brought to my Lord let it be given to your young men who follow my Lord. Was it appeasement? No, it was payment. Payment for a job well done. Payment, listen, because Nabal had sheared sheep. He was supposed to do this. And so Abigail has to step in. Remember when Moses did not circumcise his sons? His wife circumcised him, and then she threw the foreskins at him. This is what you were supposed to do. And again, women were not to step out like that. But I love what this lady's doing. She's a, a woman of character. Uh, please forgive the trespass uh, of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord. Uh, listen to, she knows who David is. And evil is not found in you throughout your days. Abigail knew the history, I believe, of David. And she, yet she knew her own husband. He was evil. Verse 29, yet a man has risen to pursue you and to seek your life. But the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God and the living of your enemies. And he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. Was she reminiscing there? Because that's exactly how David uh, took out Goliath with a simple sling. Remember, he was a shepherd boy. He knew how to work that. And Goliath was totally covered in armor except one spot. And that's where David hit him. Then he took his sword and took his head off. In verse 30, And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you uh, and, uh, and has appointed you ruler over Israel. Abigail knew that David would be king. I, I think the word was out. And I think it was just a matter of time uh, when Saul would finally uh, be taken care of. I want to give you two points here. Uh, Nabal 
was a man of pride, was a man of arrogance, and then Abigail was a woman of wisdom, was a woman of discernment. And I think we have to seek that. When it should have been Nabal, but his pride, his arrogancy. What was Lucifer's fall in Isaiah chapter 14? Pride. What is generally our fall when we fail? Pride. The Bible says in the Proverbs, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit. Be careful with pride. It creeps in. Trust me. Look at verse 31. Uh, that this will be no grief to you, nor offense of your heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause, or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. Is she prophesying here? Because Nabal's going to die. Abigail is saying the right words uh, to David. David, you don't need this blemish on your record. David, you haven't even taken the reins yet. You are the king of Israel, the next reigning king, but you haven't taken it. You do this, and it's going to tarnish your your reign. And so she was right. Look at verse 32. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, who sent you this day uh, to meet me. Guys, I want you to see this. Praise the Lord. I I don't believe it's fake. As Saul was fake, Saul said he repented, he cried. But true repentance is a change of mind, a change of heart, and a change of direction. David saw his heart. You're right, Abigail. Blessed be the Lord that he has sent you. I would have done something foolish. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day uh, to me. And blessed is your advice. And blessed are you uh, because you have kept me this day from coming, uh, from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. David is listening to a woman. And I say that because this is Middle East. Even to this day. I, 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 we see it when we go to Israel and it, it freaks you out. The husband's on the camel. He's smoking a cigarette. He might even have a, uh, an umbrella because it's hot. And he's drinking his tea. And the wife is 10 yards back carrying the bundle of wood. I'm telling you. <laughs> when, we're not, when I went with a, a group of 40 pastors, uh, Ronnie Cohen, our guide, says, Hey, guys, try that when you get home. And everybody goes, uh, no, no way. Never happened, right? Uh, our cultures are totally different. But listen, listen to uh, David is receiving this advice. I like it. In verse 34, for indeed as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting, uh, hurting you unless you had hurried and come to me, surely by morning light, no male would have been left to Nabal. David knew his own heart. I would have taken him out. I'm a warrior. The guys that are with me, they have nothing to lose. They're misfits. Notice verse 35. So David received from her hand uh, what she had brought to him, 
and said to her, go in peace or go up in peace uh, to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person, acknowledging Abigail as a godly woman, acknowledging Abigail as, in my opinion, a Proverbs 31 woman. Nabal is a creep. She called him a scoundrel herself. David, have mercy. And David, don't taint your record. The respect. Now, Abigail went to Nabal. Watch this. God's not finished. And there he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry. And he says, within him. And for he was very drunk. You guys remember that? Definitely you would be very merry. Therefore, she told him nothing, uh, little or much, until morning light. So it was in the morning when uh, the wine had gone from Nabal, and his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him. And he became like a stone. Listen, he's had a heart attack. And he's not saying a word now. He's comatose. Or he's in a coma. Either way. And it lasts for a short time. Notice now. Pride had set in. David backed off. God is doing the judging here. It happened after ten days that the Lord struck Nabal. He died. The Lord struck Nabal. He died. I've used these verses in time past. Because I want to say something. I want to do something. I want to avenge myself. You want to avenge yourself. The scripture says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Write them down. Deuteronomy 32, 35. Romans 12, 19. Hebrews 10, 30. Deuteronomy 32, 35. Romans 12, 19. Hebrews 10, 30. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. David wanted so bad to take Nabal out. He was ready. Abigail softened his heart. The Holy Spirit had put that woman there. I love it. Look at verse 39. So when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord. I like that. David got what he wanted. You did it, Lord. Does God take people out? Yes, People say, well, I thought he's a loving God. He's also a God of judgment. You push God long enough, and the judgments will come. Our United States of America thinks we're going to get away with what we've been doing. Killing all the innocent uh, children. Same-sex marriage. Ordaining uh, homosexuals and lesbians. Somebody's going to have to answer to that. The time will come. Oh, but Pastor Bob, uh, you're not politically correct. No, I'm biblically correct. But Pastor Bob, this is the 21st century. God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, you don't understand my denomination. No, it's not your denomination's fault. Get out of there. It's your fault. It's your fault. And it's not going to get better, church. You know that. Blessed be the Lord who has uh, pleaded the cause of, of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Abel 
or Nabal that is, on, on his own head. And David sent and, and pros, uh, proposed to Abigail, I like that, to take her as his wife. I want you to mark down this verse. This is classic. I've shared it before. Isaiah 54, verse 17. Uh, no weapon formed against you shall ever prosper. If you're walking with God, God is going to protect you. Uh, what is the worst that could happen to you? Die? Uh, our brothers and sisters in Middle East countries are dying left and right. They know they're going to die. As soon as they leave the Muslim faith and, and receive Christ as their Lord and Savior, they might die the next day, the next week, but they know they're going to be glory bound. They know they're going to be glory bound. Notice now verse, we're going to come to the conclusion. Verse 40 now, And when the servants of David had come to Abigail at Carmel, that village that we spoke of, uh, they spoke to her saying, David sent us to you uh, to ask you to become his wife. Uh, then she rose, bowed her head, uh, her face to the earth, and said, Here is your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servant of my Lord. Did Abigail know? Could the Holy Spirit have spoken to her? She did everything in her power to serve her husband. She was a very submissive wife. Even though she knew Nabal, that scoundrel, she knew him. Did the Lord speak to her? You're going to be David's wife. Notice, so Abigail rose in haste and rode on a donkey and attended uh, by five of her maidens. And she followed the messenger of David and became David's wife. David took uh, Ahinoam uh, of Jezreel and so both of them and, and were his wives. But Saul, listen why David's taking other wives now. But Saul had given uh, Michal, his daughter, that was married to David. It was David's wife uh, to this man named Palti, the son of Laish, who was from Gelim. Now, again, the, the Old Testament is pretty radical. And when it comes to the marriage laws, it's not what God appointed, but it's what God allowed. When they asked Jesus, why did Moses give a writing of divorcement? It was because of the hardness of your hearts. But in the beginning, it was not so. And so we see cultures... There's some still in Mormonism think they can have multiple wives. And if you need an extra wife, talk to me after the service. <laughs> Let's all stand we'll end with a word of prayer. Uh, first thing I'll ask you, are you taking care of the one that you're married to? <laughs> Let's pray. Father, uh, what a privilege, what an honor, what a joy it is to study your word. And Father, how we can glean uh, the nuggets of gold from uh, the Old Testament make application uh, to the New Testament. Teach us the heart uh, of Saul, the heart of David, the heart of Nabal. Teach us the heart of Abigail. And so, Lord, prepare our hearts, Lord. And again, we want to pray for uh, J.R. as he's in the hospital, uh, taking care of that cancer. Lord, I know it's frustrating for Jr., but I ask you to bring a healing on him. And Lord, the report we got early this afternoon concerning Bill and his surgery, we rejoice, Lord. And we know that he's going to look back.
And he's going to see your hand of grace. And so, Father, bless those that have come. Bless those that are preparing uh, to go to uh, the worship conference. And Lord, we, we just thank you, Lord. And we just praise you for everything you're doing. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. And we all agree by saying, Amen.